Hey guys, welcome to Soul Cleanse. If you are craving something that you don't even know what you're feeling anymore, if you're craving a shift in your life, in your mind, in your body, this is where you're supposed to be. You were brought here for a reason. You were brought here to understand your patterns, to move through things, to shift things in your life, and to really learn the tools to bring you into your highest potential of who you are meant to be. Let's dive into all the uncomfortable conversations and the gifts that are going to bring you closer to you. Hello, hello. Welcome, Soul Divers. I'm so, I'm just always so grateful that you guys are here, honoring you, honoring the light that you are. I have an incredible human, as all the humans that come on are absolutely incredible and you guys are as well too i just you know if you guys have heard me before i love humans and just deeply believe in in ourselves and each other so i have this really um amazing amazing human that's going to be a guest on today this is selena gray oh my gosh she is a cpa she is a financial empowerment coach she's also known as the money boss my gosh, I'm going to read one of her her quotes right now so you guys can get ready for what we're about to go into. Invest, investing in yourself is the process of both learning to love who we are now and celebrating who we are becoming. <sighs> Selena. Selena is, um, oh my gosh, just an incredible, incredible human. She really believes in helping women, like entrepreneur women, to just step into their worth, step into the fire of what they want to do to truly just help them believe them and believe in themselves and to honor their own light, to honor their fire, to experience so much joy with money, to understand the money wounds that we have with money. Raise a hand right now if you have money wounds. Ha! I'm raising both hands. Um, it's 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 interesting. It's really interesting when you go back and understand from childhood to now on the relationship that we have with money. Gosh, what a, it's it's a it's 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 gnarly. It's gnarly in there, and it's definitely by meeting Selena. It's definitely woke up those things that, ne that needed to be acknowledged in me. So. So grateful for you guys to hear this one. Oh my gosh. She also has, I'm going to put it in the show notes. She has a Facebook page that she helps entrepreneur women as well. And it's free and it's, and it's a community of women just rooting for each other and just, just, it's a beautiful, good vibrations everywhere. Just good vibrations. And she also has a two day, um, virtual thing that she's doing online and I will be there. I'm, I'm so excited to go. It is on November 19th and the 20th. So if you guys don't have a ticket and this is, this episode speaks to you, she speaks to you. I absolutely recommend getting a ticket. This is 2022. So if you're listening to it at a different time, might want to check up on when her next event is, but I'm going to dive into the beautifulness here. But Selena, I'm just thank you so much for coming on. I truly, truly 
I'm so thankful that we connected and you are such an incredible, incredible light sharing your true, your true gift with the world and to just be the cheerleader that you are and not in an annoying way. It is such a beautiful way how you, you, you cheer, you cheer and just want to see humans just glow and step into where they were, where they're meant to be and to just truly believe in themselves. And Selena, just keep doing what you're doing. You absolutely shine. And you're such a, such an incredible gift to this world. And just thank you. And I know that I'm very thankful for you and probably hundreds of people are as well as you are just changing lives and just having people experiencing so much joy in their money, which we all should experience joy with money. So if this episode, anything, let's throw some cash up in the air and dance to some money and then maybe have some tacos afterwards. So thank you again, Selena. And let's dive in to Selena. Hello, 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 and welcome, guys, to a, a brand new week. I have an incredible, incredible guest with me today. I have Selena Gray, um, CPA, financial empowerment coach. She's a money boss, uh, just an amazing, amazing human. And before we get started, I really, I love this quote. I love a lot, a lot of your quotes, by the way. Um, but how we spend our money is a direct reflection of how we choose to love ourselves. So I was like, so where did that birth come from? That one? I was like, I like that one so much. I'm, I'm so honored um, <laughs> that you noticed, first of all, and I'm honored to be here. So thank you for having me. You know, I feel like for many of us, we feel a lot of shame around our money or that we're not enough. And we have to interact with our money every single day in some context, like whether we go to a job or we have a business or we're trying to buy things, there's a lot of feelings behind money. Yeah. And so I just, as I dove into this work and we can get into my story, I'm sure you'll have many questions, but yes, so many. I went through the trauma of my own story, I really started realizing that money in some ways numbed me. And I wanted to live my life fully with love. And I started looking at how, when I started shifting my spending patterns, directing it to things that I really valued or that gave me joy, that we have it all wrong. That, and money is an individual process. It's, it's a, a relationship with ourselves. It's a connection to ourselves. And so it's up to us to honor that and give ourselves permission on how we spend. And why can't it be about love? Because yeah. money is in and around everything. And it, it's, it's our choice. It's foundational for us to come back home to love, I believe. So I started thinking about that in my own life and it started working. I got really inspired and excited. And then I started over the years because my business has it's been around for almost a decade now. I started having other amazing humans try it. They're like, yes, this. So that's a really long-winded answer to say, I really believe that love has to be in everything we do in some way, shape, or form. And, and absolutely, it needs to be in our relationship with money too. God, I have such um, money wounds myself. I mean, what you all do. So I was like, oh, and you don't realize it. You don't, you don't realize that until you start to like, oh, wow, there's, some, there's a pattern here when you start doing the work. Yeah, me too. I had no understanding. Like I loved money. I've loved money my entire life, you know, <laughs> and 
it nearly cost me my life being a workaholic. And mm. yeah, I wanted to to see it differently. And so I, I needed to share what I learned. And that's that's what I do now. Yeah. I mean, what you do amazing, amazing things. And I'm just so excited. Like, I'm like, I want to jump right in and I'm like, hold on, pace myself out a little bit. Oh, you're doing awesome. I love it. <laughs> um, Selena, five words to describe who you were emotionally, like before you got into this, like what were your wor- wounds before you got into what you do now? Unworthy. masked mm. um, scared overachiever unseen i think those are my words because when i think about selena back then i can give her so much compassion because she really tried hard like i've always loved humans i've loved interacting with humans and before going on this journey that we all have an awakening to, I feel like in our lifetimes, I grew up to a family who didn't have a lot of money and that was totally fine. I mean, you grow up, you don't really notice, right? Yeah. And yeah. I loved money. I, I said that before, but I really did. I was the kid who was always like playing with cash money and talking about it. My mom would have a, you know, purchase something and she'd be telling a friend, oh, I bought this shirt for $20. I'd be like, no, mom, it was 1947, you know, exact. And my grandfather had this old cash register and he didn't have a business or anything. I don't know where it honestly came from, but I would fill it with money and play with it. And you'd have to like jam a pin in the top so it would open up and it would ding. Like it was basically, this was the, the early 80s. I would do this. And so really long time ago, and I, I just remember like feeling so much joy about it. And my mom could never understand. She's like, this kid is obsessed with money. I have no idea why. <laughs> and I would always like find little jobs for myself and convince people to hire me or like in high school or, or middle school, if, if anyone resonates with this, I'd have to be on sports teams and, and the fees were expensive. So we'd fundraise. So we'd have mm-hmm. to go tickets, get tickets, people to buy tickets and so I'm always running around like, you, you need a ticket, you know, like <laughs> I just start conversing with people and it, it really brought me a lot of joy. And it, I grew up in a tiny town, so there's no jobs in my town. I had to pump gas and babysit kids and, you know, dust little ladies, you know, houses. And I did all of it. And so I really feel like I learned to hustle. Mm-hmm. Hustle for me represented some forms of freedom because if, if any of buddies heard my story before, um, certainly I talk about my, my deep-seated mother wound. And I think that I really, really tried hard to get my mom to love me in ways she just couldn't. And part of that was being an overachiever to get her attention and then mm-hmm. having the autonomy with my money to do what I still wanted. Because, I mean, that's how parents can control kids, you know, with money. Yeah. So I, I worked on that. And then I just started realizing the better grades I got, the more opportunities that were out there or, you know, even sports scholarships and things. So I just was always moving and always busy and it was never safe to be myself. It was the masked version of me Mm. who wasn't really seen, who never felt worthy. And I didn't understand the curiosity around money was much more than the numbers at that point. So I have a lot of compassion for that version of me, but 
Lots of wounds in that story. I mean, I can, I can relate to that as well. So when you said some of those things, I was like, Ooh, gosh, um, how, how about five words to describe who you are now, dear? Um, I, these are really good questions. (laughs) I feel like now I'm, I'm really mask free as much as possible. Like, I think that I'm a student of, of life. I'm willing to embrace lessons and learn. I am a cheerleader, like probably to the point of being annoying. I believe so deeply in people's gifts and people's healings. So I'm 100% a cheerleader. One of the words I'm most proud of is that I'm a mom and I never thought I could be a mom. I had, I have Crohn's disease. And so when I got diagnosed with Crohn's actually from being a workaholic and going through my money awakening, they told me it was unlikely I would have kids. So the fact that I'm a mom, I'm super proud of. I feel like she, my daughter put me on a trajectory of profound healing around my mother wound and my legacy and my own relationship with money. So I'm really, really proud of that title. So definitely last but not least, um, I would say that I'm worthy. And that one to me makes me emotional because I've not felt worthy for most of my life. And I no longer seek worthiness outside of myself. It's a product of, of who I am, who I believe I am, and how I show up in the world. And I think that's something we can all have. And so that's why I'm so relentless in my pursuit for people to do their money work because worthiness is also in everything we do. Yeah, it is. It's in everything. It really is. Um, Before we get into everything, I always have everyone just kind of close your eyes and set an intention on something that you would like to release today. And you're going to just say it. You want me to say it out loud? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like lately there is just a heaviness. I, I listened to a podcast recently that Bernie Brown had done on day two, and I don't know if you've listened to it or not, but she talks about like us coming up against a wall of what's happened with the world and just the heaviness around that. And absolutely. I, I, I listened really, to that one. I want to keep releasing the heaviness because I feel it collectively within me and my own friend circle. And so the intention is to give myself permission to release heaviness when, whenever I feel it. Mm. Okay. Nice. <sighs> um, how are you today? Oh, I'm good. I'm happy to be here. I, <laughs> I'm excited. Like I, I have to, to say that these are some really awesome questions. I've been on a podcast or two and what a beautiful way to start this thing. Well, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I you know, I, I love human connection and connecting with people. So I really wanted like in depth and I read you very clearly, like, how can I, can I connect with her and uh, everybody that comes on like really as an individual? Wow. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Mm, you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> um, when you hear the word money, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Joy, 100%. You want me to go in deep or is this like a rapid fire? Um, no, that one's, that one's rapid fire. I just want that one rapid fire. And then um, I also think that I think it's a beautiful thing when, when our wounds 
become our gifts. And I know that that very much lined you, lined you up to where, where you are, um, which is absolutely incredible. And I'm going to dive right into all these things. So alignment, did you know like what that meant then and what, what that means for you now? Hell no. I think, you know, looking back, I was so empty inside and wouldn't admit it to myself. Like I just assumed that that's how life was. Like I was in this pursuit to work hard and prove myself and prove my worth and get a really cool job. Like I remember at 16 years old, I went on this school trip and we went to Europe. I don't know if anybody's ever done one of those, but you know, you fundraise for like a year and then you oh, have yeah. to go to Europe. I remember standing in front of the Eiffel Tower and I was just like, yes, I love travel and I'm going to find a way to, to do my work internationally. And so at the age of 22, I actually became a controller of an internationally publicly traded company. And my first assignment was to head to Addis Ababa in Ethiopia. And I was sitting in a boardroom and there was just like bulls running down the street. And I just remember like, what? I've made it, you know? And I didn't have any idea about alignment, but I think that was like my first dose of it. Mm. Just really like getting to immerse in in culture, in new experiences. Yeah. But it was clouded by my pursuit to fill voids within myself. So I got to experience so many beautiful things during many years in my corporate life. But the real alignment came when I ended up in the hospital um, years later from just working too many 100 hour weeks. And the doctor was like, you have an autoimmune disease. And I was like, F that. I have an ulcer. You need to fix me up. I need to hop on a plane and get back to work. And he, and he's like, you're not doing that. And I really felt despair in that moment. And I had no idea that any of my worth was external. I didn't understand my obsession with working to to be something bigger than myself. And and that was the catalyst for change for me getting out of that hospital, I was, it was a dark time. It was a really dark time, but the nurse, I'll never forget. She said, you need to read this book called Spirit Junkie by Gabrielle Bernstein. And I'd never heard of this woman. I've never heard of the book. And I read the book and she was addicted to drugs. Like I was addicted to working. And I was like, whoa. And that was like my first hit of mm. this idea of alignment. And then I was hooked. And ever since then, I really try to function with that word as a core value. Like, is this in alignment? And I think it's very tuned into the language of money. So that's a really good question. No freaking clue what that word meant until I hit rock bottom. And then it, it really has become part and parcel with who I am now. Can you tell like when you're starting to feel out of alignment now? You're like, oh, I need to probably do this or I need to add this in. Can you tell like when things feel off? Absolutely. I feel <laughs> like, you know, sometimes the lessons are, are more potent than others. Like mm -hmm. I think now because I really trust my gut and I have no doubt in my mind, that's why I have a disease in my gut. Crohn's literally lives in my gut. So I just never trusted it. And so for me, I'm always like putting a hand in my heart and oh my God, and being like, how is this serving me? Like, what is this teaching me? What am I learning? Yeah. I'm always asking myself that. And this year, 2020, I feel like has been the biggest oh my God. <laughs> um, opportunity to like feel like what's in alignment because as a business owner, 
we can always be like looking outside of ourselves to make sure our clients are feeling happy. Obviously we want it, our clients to be joy filled and happy with what we're offering. But this year, especially, I feel like it's been easy to fall back into stress response. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm a natural born helper. Like that's just who I am. And so in stress response, I feel like that gets even more amplified. So this year, clients, family, friends, strangers, even, <laughs> I feel like I can be an overgiver, which is awesome in some ways. And right. then for my own self-preservation and alignment, it's not. And so I think when you say that, can you, can you feel it? I'm like, yeah, I feel it like all the time because <laughs> it's a muscle. I really feel like it's a muscle we have to learn that exists first and foremost, and then listen to. And I am really grateful for the opportunities to see where things are out of alignment. I feel like a couple things come to mind just off the top of my head. Like when I feel resentment, Hmm. it's like a boundary challenge for me. And then it's like, oh, well, what's out of alignment? You know, or if I feel a very strong negative reaction to something, I'm like, oh, what is this teaching me? How am I out of alignment? (laughs) Sometimes there's more subtle things, you know, where you think everything's fine and then boom, it smacks you upside the head and you're like, whoa, where was that misalignment? You know? And so, Yeah. yeah, I think it's everywhere, especially this year. And it's a muscle we need to work on. And no one can tell us alignment, but ourselves. That is 110% true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, age did your, your wound with money start? Oh, good question. I think my first memory of it was around the age of five. And so the first memory I have in that was... And it's probably earlier than that, but that's the one that comes to mind first. So I'm going to trust it. Mm -hmm. That's the right answer. Um, When I was going door to door selling things from, you know, like little newspapers or knickknacks that I had to little ladies on my street, they started hiding from me. And I always like think back about how cute that was. But that was me being like the brave little entrepreneur kid that I didn't even know existed. And I was being rejected you know, not intentionally. They probably saw a cute kid coming by, but they're like, here she comes again. Like she's, and I started, I feel like correlating that to my money story that I Mm. shouldn't be that way. And I shouldn't go door to door. And that created a chain of effects that like the next year on my birthday, I ended up having my wallet stolen out of a change room when I was with my mom. So I had gotten some cash for my birthday. I was super pumped. I had a little cherry purse. I can remember what it looked like. I was six years old. I went shopping and I went to out to get a different size t-shirt and come back and my wallet was gone. And I said to my mom, Oh mom, do you have my wallet? And she's like, be careful, Selena money leaves you. And I think like it really uh. solidified to me in that moment. And I've, I've been able to see as an adult when that limiting belief pops back up. But yeah, it started real early. And I think for all of us, we don't even realize how, how it begins, our wounding with money. But it's certainly a gift to learn about it because then we can take our control back with the lens and the dialogue of today. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Um, I bet. So, so what age did you start like really making money? 12? Yeah. So 
Okay. I'm just going to guess. I definitely had like by seven or eight, the odd aunt or uncle who would hire me to do random tasks because I always wanted to have cash because it meant freedom for me. And I grew up in a small town, like the bank wasn't open every day. So literally like my safety was, was working and I could have the freedom because the one thing for certain my parents did a beautiful job of, and I don't think this was their intention, but looking back on it was brilliant, was that I had to manage my own money and earn my own money early. And that could certainly be a wound, but I choose to see that as like, yeah, I learned some good skills. So definitely 12, I would say was the first summer I got a real job. And it was also one of the best experiences ever because I was working for my aunt for the summer and her father-in-law said, I need you to paint these sheds, which is ridiculous. But when you're 12, it's cool. <laughs> so I'm painting these sheds blue and he's like great make me an invoice I had no idea what an invoice was I I charged him like $30 or something to do this for two days and he gave me $1,500 cash and I'd never seen amount that amount of money before in my life and he said something really powerful to me he's like it's not always about the time Selena it's about the job you did and it was really impactful. I promptly forgot about it like we would as children. Right. But as I started digging into this money work, I realized, whoa, like that is an event in my life where literal proof exists that I don't have to trade time for money and that I can have empowering beliefs around money, whatever I set my mind to. And I encourage everyone listening to think about that in their own life. Like it, it may take a little while for you to jog your own men memory, but you know, our interactions with money don't always have to be super momentous or massive to have a big impact both positive and negative so yeah i'd say like 12 is probably when my first job blew my mind you know gosh god when when did um the obsession start you said early 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 right yeah, i'd say even before five because i have like memories playing with that cash register so definitely before and then just almost got worse as I got older because I realized how much money was freeing for me and no one could control me if I had money of my own. Oh, wow. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. How, how were your, um, your parents with money? My dad grew up in a family of like five or six kids, you know, really small town in Canada. Everyone worked hard. And then my dad didn't get a chance to finish high school. So he was always working really, really hard. And he's always smiling about it. Like he's just one of those happy, kind souls. And he's always been a hard worker. And he has the patience like, oh my gosh. He just has more patience than anyone I know. So he's always been a guiding light for me and having a strong work ethic. And when I was about nine or 10, he started his own business and I convinced him to be a bookkeeper, which I was really pumped up about. I could do his records and he was just always encouraging me. So we didn't always have a lot growing up, but he, he was a guiding light for me in my entrepreneurial pursuits and cheering hmm. me on and just teaching me never to give up and my mom grew up in a family with lots of kids too and she 
also, you know, kind of never went to university. She did end up getting like a diploma, which is great. You know, I think wherever education comes from, we can learn a lot of things outside institutions as well. So, but just right. from perspective and she had me as a teenager. And so I think I grew up alongside her and she, she did her very best. Like I have so much compassion for her being a young mom. And I know I'm, I'm a lot, like I've got lots of personalities. I've always been like that, like personality that's, you know, bubbly and big feelings. And I'm sure I was a lot. So she always tried to like manage me. I feel like with money, you know, Mm. it was like, she could have things and I couldn't, and there was a level of control there. And I, she struggled a bit with her money and I just didn't want to, to take that on. So I knew right away that I wanted to be a little bit different as far as like my money management. So I wanted to learn about numbers and, and be different. So long winded answer. They both grew up in, in families that didn't have a lot. And that's, you know, how I grew up as well. But I, I also grew up um, getting a lot of fun experiences with like, all kinds of sports teams and lots of friendships because like we worked hard for it. Like I would fundraise, like I said, or, you know, find a way to make it happen. And, and so I'm grateful for those lessons. You know, I'm grateful that in grade seven, I had to come up with my own money to pay for my school clothes because it taught me how to manage my money really early. So didn't come from a ton, but man, there's a lot of lessons in there. There's a lot of lessons in there. Wow. Gosh. Um, did they talk about numbers a lot with you? Would they always say, you know, this is that we can't do that. Or this is that we can't afford that. Was there ever stable? Like my dad worked away a lot. So I, I more remember my mom saying like, there isn't enough money for that. Or we could never be like those people. They have way more money than us. Or, you know, we can't afford X, Y, Z, or that must be nice for those people because oh. they they have money. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like, I remember her shopping a lot and then wanting to um, continue shopping. Like there was just a limitless shopping experience, but I can't even remember what we had to show for it. I just remember her having a lot of credit cards. And so, and she was really confused with my Mm. interest in money I think she thought it was really unhealthy you know and at times looking back I could probably agree with her um but I was so curious about it and so she was she always thought it was strange for sure I think you kept reminding her uh something that she had a wound with money because you guys were doing this both wound back and forth you're trying to understand it and she's like why are you doing this like this is too much and you're going back and forth so much And it's true. We always do like there's generational trauma around money. Right. So Mm -hmm. we have that influence and there's one, one story I just thought of that I wanted to share. So one thing my mom always loved to do was have a big Christmas. So every year, just like her dad had done, there was lots of gifts around the Christmas tree and she would save all year and buy Christmas presents. And it was a big, exciting thing for our family. And one year, when I was 12, that year was really symbolic for me. It seems like um, I opened up this big box and it was a brand new computer. And so we're talking, you know, way before the internet, it was an Apple computer. And oh, yes. 
Yes, that I, my mind was blown because we could never afford that. And so I said, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Is it used? And it really hurt my mom. Like, so every day after that, she would complain about the computer that I didn't value it or appreciate it enough because she saved a year for that computer. And then I assumed it was used because we didn't have enough money to buy one. And so I, I really triggered her in that experience. And mm -hmm. I think that's a good example of like, as a parent living unconsciously with money like it was 100% in her heart and soul to give me the best Christmas and she wanted me to enjoy it and then she attached to my outcome of honoring that we likely didn't have enough money for this computer yeah and asking if it was used so I think there that's a heated a heated thing and we have to give our parents a lot of compassion because they they weren't awoken to the subject of right money. So I think that's like a really amazing thing we can heal for our family legacy is just giving our parents compassion or our caregivers or our other family members. And, you know, there's easy ways that we can become a victim to our money story. But I look back at that time with such curiosity now, like I used to feel a lot of sadness and charge. And now I'm like, oh, had that not happened, like, I likely wouldn't have the company I do now and the, the trajectory and the path I'm on. So years after this, I can have a lot of compassion in, you know, about 10 yeah. years ago, I would have had a lot of anger still. <laughs> I, oh, I think that our generation um, now too is really, we're really waking up to our wounds are like, why is this? What is this then? And they didn't really get into that for, for us. And yeah, I really wish they could have it too, because the money trauma still existed, the money wounds still existed, and now we get to do some massive healing for us all. Yeah, yeah, we're going generations back now, waking things up in them as well. Uh, relationship uh, with mom now, how is that? So officially, my relationship with my mom ended in August of last year. Um, yeah. I had to consciously choose to end the relationship and that was a hard one because I think every child wants the love of a parent. Absolutely. And through all of my healing work, um, I really tried everything I could to make her see me in a way that felt safe and healthy and really productive to a mother daughter relationship. And I think like I mentioned before in the rapid fire questions, having my daughter really inspired me to do that. It reminded me like that I could have healthy boundaries in a parent position, you know, like not yeah. only, you know, in life, but also with my parent. I think too, like diving into my own personal work, it was really apparent, apparent for me that I had to learn how to have rebar enforce boundaries no matter the relationship no matter if it's a family member or not and a thing for me I noticed as I got older and we started using phones a lot more that a telltale sign for me was when I would see her name pop up on my phone I would get an extreme amount of anxiety hmm. and so I started working on healing that and some of it was directly with her we've had very transparent conversations and I I absolutely still love her, but I have to keep myself safe from yeah. her limitations, you know? Mm -hmm. And so our relationship ended and that was truly one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. 
Um, but our family dynamic has really, like it was a conscious choice for our entire family, my dad, my brother, myself. And our, our family unit has a lot less pins and needles and toxicity. Mm-hmm. And we tried our very best. I really believe that. And I send my mom a lot of compassion. And so for anyone listening who's in like a storm with a family member, you have to honor yourself. And it, it came with a lot of guilt and resentment and grief and relief. But about you know a year and a half on the other side of that thing, there's still moments where I wake up or things happen and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna tell my mom. And then I remember, I'm like, I have a parent who's still living, but I don't know her anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's hard and also a gift in the same sentence. Hopefully I'm articulating that correctly, but it's a very individual process. And mm-hmm. I think just like any relationship that needs to end, you know when the end point is, and then you go after a little bit more trying to hang on. Yeah. And it was not an easy decision or something I made quickly or easily, but in the end, I feel like it's, it's really good for my mental health and honoring the legacy of the family I want. Holding space for that. Thank you so much. Gosh. And this, um, when that, when that comes up for you, um, when that feeling comes up, how do you show up and love you? Like, how, like, what is the parenting for you that you do for yourself in that moment? So I'm just holding up a picture. Oh God. (laughs) Selena with me on my desk, you know, I keep her handy on my phone and I really have, I've learned to acknowledge that there's more than the adult version of me that needs support. And I can say those words from a place of neutrality. Like I no longer feel deep pangs of, of, heated emotion because I've I've worked through the moments when I needed a mom and done the reparenting exercises and I I get to show up for little Selena when she needs me and I think that I didn't understand or comprehend what a gift that was until I started diving into the work and I've been blessed to have an amazing support system one being uh, Mark Groves also known as create the love he's He's amazing one of my very best friends and he helped me a lot through um you know removing and healing from my relationship with my mom and and i think a lot of it is remembering that a little person lives within us and they need to feel safe so that the adult version of us feels safe and so my answer to that would be surrounding myself with a community that's extremely supportive having experts around me to handle exactly what's needed Mm. so that I don't feel alone. And then honoring the growth within myself to come to a place of true healing and neutrality. I think that's critical. And so all the time I acknowledge her and I, I, it wasn't a stretch for me because I also do that in my money work, acknowledge the the little Mm. person within. So I think that has been transformative for me. Gosh, beautiful. I, I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more with the, the per, as, as an adult, our little person in us is not, they're always there. They're always there. doesn't matter what age we're turning or anything, that little person's still in us. And they need to feel loved. Yeah. I just agree so much. How, how are your um, intimate relationships with money? Oh, interesting. I've got such a... <laughs> 
storied past here. Um, <laughs> you know, when I first started dating, like 14 years old, basically, I saw that relationship as a way to kind of escape the one with my mom. I would be away and have doing fun things. And he was, a, you know, a little bit older than me, you know, still a teenager, but older. So he had a little bit more resources. So we yeah. were always like out and about and traveling around. And then, you know, as I got a little bit older, I think I was seeking unhealthy love because of the unhealthy love I was used to, like mm. looking back, that's what I've learned. And I think that a similar thing happened with money. Like I was always creating, like, especially when I was younger, before I learned really anything about the, the money being an energy, I would create like little secret bank accounts in case I needed to flee one day. And that's exactly what happened to me. I, I got married way too young. You know, I think I was 21 or 22 when I got married and divorced within the year. And it's because I really wanted to get married because that's what I thought society told me I needed to do to be valued. Yeah. And the person that I had married was all wrong for me. He's an awesome human, but just not for me. Mm -hmm. And I had done just that. I had created a secret account and basically like waited till I had enough money into it to leave. And then of course the divorce ends up creating much more financial implications than I could right. ever understand at that point. And then I just use that as fuel to pour into being alone and traveling and having my, my corporate career. So I really focused on myself. And then now, you know, looking at my life, I'm really wanting to shift that idea of money and relationship to how I show up as a mom. You know, I, I love having conversations with my little one. She's five right now. And not that long ago, she came over to me and she had one of those like little pots, play pots that you, oh, yeah. you like pretend cooking with. And she <laughs> had a bunch of cut up $1 bills inside that pot. And she had water in there. And she's like, mom, I made you money soup. We're gonna <laughs> eat it together. And it was so cute because like, she knows we love money. Like that's what we say in this house, you know, we love money and money loves us. And yeah. that's something easy for her to understand. But she thought we loved it so much we could eat it. And I was like, oh, hon, you know, we can't, we can't cut up money, but we could still love it. And I want to make sure that that didn't become one of her traumatizing events growing up. So I just explained to her that it was fine. Like, I really don't think it's okay to be cutting up money, you know, in the, <laughs> her intention was totally pure around it. So it's interesting to observe, you know, oh, little version of me and then, you know, my poor relationship choices around money and having implications. And now has that morphed into being a mom that it also benefits me to see the, the lens of money through her eyes. It's really cool. It's so great. I love that. Were you like, we can just, we can get tacos and eat the tacos. With the <laughs> yeah, that's one thing for sure. You know, I know, you know I love tacos, but I, yes. I also have indoctrinated her to love tacos. So I'm like, the money gets the taco. So that's a better deal. Exactly. Yeah. I love that too. <laughs> um, God, that's great. The, um, the age that you were wearing the mask and then the age that you took off the mask. 
the, the mask solidified in my grade 11 year in high school when I went to school we all had like those little class picnics and things you know you had to bring whatever that was dedicated you know my name said pretzels so I had to go get some pretzels and like I've said it cash was kind of king back in those days mm -hmm. and we had one store in my little town and I just had enough cash for the no-name pretzels so I went and I took those no-name pretzels to my class and I put them on the table and you could see all the eyes darting around the room like you no-name pretzels and then some wise guy made a joke like these taste like shit you know and then they all started at me like you're such a loser who buys these terrible pretzels and I didn't understand it at the time but it really solidified this like part of me that didn't feel enough and that I needed labels in order to be seen so after that point I started buying as much as I could afford branding clothing and once I got my first mm. high paying job I started buying luxury labels like I if you would have saw me at the ripe age of 24 jet setting to you know Africa I would have been head to toe in Burberry Labutin, like everything labeled like watch me and now a hundred percent like hey you high school kid you know and and the it was mask it was a mask not to say that I don't love luxury because I do but it was from a place of wounding it was about covering yeah. who I really was and I didn't want anyone to see me for the truth because I was a fraud that's how I felt and then the mask really came off out of the hospital outside the hospital when I was you know in my late 20s so I had you know a good decade or more being stuck in the mask and then the first phase of the mask coming off I mm. would say was yeah my later 20s coming out of the hospital and then I'd say it really came off like a couple years ago like I, I can remember the moment I was standing on stage because I love speaking from stage and I was in a still my corporate getup like I had a really nice dress on it wasn't super luxury or anything because I'd healed that part of me but it was still like I'm looking like I'm walking into a boardroom and I came off the stage and I'm like I'm not wearing this shit anymore you know and it wasn't about the clothes it was about like no I'm just gonna wear jeans on stage if I want to I'm just gonna be myself like I don't want to be any way except me and that that was in the summer of 2018. So I think that's like truly when the mask came off and moments of stress response, like I'm reaching for the mask subconsciously, Yeah. but I have a commitment in my alignment to being mask free. And so I really try to honor that with full integrity. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> um, was your, money making was it an addiction or it was numbing out because you mentioned i think you mentioned numbing out yeah i think it was both um yeah. i think at first it started as a numbing out and then it became an addiction when i realized what money gave me so what i mean by that is the idea of being able to retire early and stop this perpetual overworking like because i missed friends weddings i met miss family holidays, like I was working all the time. And so I knew it wasn't sustainable in some part of me. 
But I was like, well, I have to do this because I need to retire and then I can be happy. Like, I didn't think it was part and parcel to the same thing. I was oh, like, yeah. well, I just need to work this hard because then one day I'll be free and then I can find out how to be happy, basically. I didn't even understand that at that point I wasn't happy. It was just like a mechanical thought, if that makes sense. Yeah. Duh. Uh, and then, so you you were working how many hours a week? So that became so like a, a regular work day for me. I'd get up like by four and I'd check my offices. Like our Dubai office would be awake and in, in midday and I'd have other offices like, and just schedule meetings. And I'd be sitting at my desk in my office by like probably five forty, because the Starbucks would open at five thirty. So I'd grab my Starbucks and head up the elevator to my office. And then I'd leave the office like, 8 30 p.m or 9 p.m and then i'd go straight to bed sometimes i'd sleep in my office sometimes i'd literally finish my work day and drive to the airport because i'd be flying to africa or europe wow and so i was always just like in a different time zone and there was always work to do and my my like leadership team loved that i was a workhorse so no one was like no you're working too much it was like wow you're accomplishing a lot let's keep this going so and I was 20 something. So I was like, I'm invincible. I can do anything. And then not really the case. And then that, that's when it happened when you were in, ended up in the hospital. Yeah. I uh, started like with some warning signs that I promptly ignored. Like I remember my ankles swelling up and I couldn't put on my heels. Like they, it, my shoes wouldn't fit right. So I was rocking flip-flops to the office and I was like making fun of myself. And I remember my eyes being swollen so I'd put sunglasses on and I would still be like on my laptop and people were like what are you doing and then it progressively got worse but because I was working in new countries and always eating different kinds of food I thought my tummy just didn't love the the change in the food all the time so I discounted that but my stomach started acting up and then I started getting rashes all over my body and then it ended up taking like five or so minutes to get out of bed because my legs and arms weren't working properly. So I'd have to like kind of coax them out of bed and thinking back, like there's lots of warning signs, but in the- You were out of alignment. (laughs) At the time I was like, oh, well, clearly I just lay here a few few more minutes then my legs will work. It's fine. Like I know how ridiculous that sounds, but at the time I was just like, oh, I'm fine. You know, I, and then literally the universe smacked me with a semi-truck and I went into the hospital because I was just way, it is so far gone at that point. And then what gift did that bring you? Oh my gosh, it literally changed everything. It gave me, it gave me a start at life, honestly. Like looking back at that version of myself, I was so hollow. Like I remember just like working all the time. Like that is not okay. That is no form of life to- no sleep in your office and to be like on call 24 seven, like our, our body needs to rest and we need to have connection that's outside of, you know, accounting conversations about amortization and things. So I think like, wow, looking back on that, I just, my whole life began and it was a traumatic start. Like it can be from an awakening, but I would trade literally none of it because Hmm. what I learned along the way is truly priceless. And I think what you said when like 
our gifts are born out of our pain, we have this relentless pursuit to wake up and to share it with other people to help them avoid the, the catastrophic, you know, mistakes we make. And having been witness now to thousands of humans, either being through my courses or listening or like taking programs with me, I would have none of those experiences and no ripple effect that has somehow touched some amazing humans and not that it's always about us right that's not what i mean yeah. but i i would still be sitting in a corporate room doing what and not having an impact that actually matters and i don't think i'd have my daughter and i've really gained some incredible friendships so i'm really grateful for that it took me a long time to get there to say <laughs> that because oh my gosh but it's also equipped me with a toolkit because now when stuff happens that's not good because that, that's life. I know that I'm going to be okay because I have built a resiliency muscle. And especially more than ever this year, I have been back in that toolkit, like all of us, right? Yeah. Because man, there's a lot of curveballs this year, but yeah, life is honestly, I feel like what we make it. And that version of my life was hollow. And now it's full of color and creativity and fun and joy and still hard things, but I'm toolkit equipped. And for me, that is priceless. Your, your light really, truly shines. Like you can tell when someone's overworked, but you, you're, you're very vibrant. So I can tell that you are very much in line with what you're supposed to be doing. Thank you. That means everything to me because yeah, yeah like we have to, to make the most of our life. Like, I know it sounds cliche. We're always like, we have one life, but I really believe that. Like I would wake up and want to do nothing else. And on hard days, that's what gets me through. And there's been lots of hard days, but you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, Oh, I'm in a job I don't like, or I'm, you know, scared to go after what I want. I have been on the, the other side of that story enough times as an observer, as a participant to say like, do it do what sets your heart on fire and build a community around you to support you when you don't feel strong enough, you know, and don't make reckless choices, you know, that harm you, but make choices that feel in alignment with what makes you feel fiery and excited inside. I mean, I think you're talking to me right now too. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I'm on the next chapter right now. So I was like, woo, here we go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what has been your uh, most uh, inspiring, transformative, like, client? I'm sure there's many, but, like, oh, if you think gosh, about... Right? Like, that feels like an impossible... <laughs> um, but, you know, of course, I always try to go with what comes up first. Like, yeah. the first thing I think of, I try to say, because I feel like that's my highest self. And I honestly think that one of my most favorite clients still to this day is Mark Groves. And I know I've talked about, about him a little bit, but I think it's a, a good example of him owning his money story and then it creating a ripple effect. So, so many more people could be immersed in his goodness. And I think that's, that's really what it's about. You know, like when we set out to create companies, we don't know where they'll reach and touch. And, you know, having, 
I had this one person listen to one of our podcasts once and said, like, listening to this podcast changed my life in X, Y, Z way. And it, it really showed how imperative one's work mm. that instills work in other person can literally be limitless. Like you can literally save people's lives. And as a CPA bean counter, you know, I never would have thought that that would be it. And through getting the opportunity to work with Mark and share part of that story, it's helped his community and his community is now working on their money story and watching Mark transform in his money story has been one of my most treasured and favorite things because he's one of my favorite people. So to see him transform like that, but it's so much bigger than him. His entire community is along for the ride and that has been fun to observe. So while I have many favorite clients and many favorite experiences, yeah. that one pops up first because I think we never know what we're in for when we started it. Like I kind of forced him to dig into his money. I like hopped a plane and show up to his house. I'm like, dude, let's work on this. And then it just created a massive ripple effect. And I'm so grateful that I made one brave decision you know, and so hopefully that makes sense. I've articulated that correctly because I, no, it does. I have been blessed to work with some of the most successful and the most ordinary, you know, all kinds of different people and for different reasons, they have been fun and transformative. Like some of the most difficult clients have been my favorite because they were so stuck in their money stories. Mm -hmm. And then to see any kind of change. So I don't want to just make it about like, oh, my friends, that's been fun. Like yeah, some of the best ones too. I just want to end that question with this. They'll go, they'll be with me for a while and they'll go away and they'll come back and I'll get to see their growth. And I get to like stand in that with them because they've done all of this really hard transformative work. And it's just like, we never know the actual true ripple effect of our work and so whatever your gift is just to honor the bravery within you and to honor that little person inside who's like this is scary we can't do this yes you can and I encourage you to boldly because you can change lives in ways you never imagined and I think that that's like the blanket answer to this question it's there is no favorite it's the collective favorite and the growth over time. And so there's been moments that come to mind quickly, but after all of this work ends in my life, because I, I truly want to do this forever, I think I'll just look back and be like, I've been so blessed to work with brave humans who are change makers for the world. And I don't mean to make that about me because everyone's story and they're doing their own work, but to be a small little part yeah. of that is like, I'm going to ride that wave forever. Thank you for doing what you're doing. I mean, truly, truly, truly making an, a beautiful, a ripple effect in, in your life. It's my little corner of the world and I try really hard to, to make change. And it's, it didn't start that way, but getting the gift of seeing some of the stories, it's, it's really cool. Like if someone would have said to me a decade ago, like, your work will change people. I would have laughed and said like, never. How could an accountant make an impact in any way beyond numbers? And so I, I just wanna highlight that because I'm just a regular person who was relentless in my pursuit to better my own life. And now that has 
really resulted in others doing the same. And I am so honored and blessed to, to be that. And some days are really hard. Like, as we know, entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. It brings up all the things we need to heal, you know, like what we charge, what we do, Ugh. but never lose sight of, of your, your work can change one person. And we never know where that goes, whether that's a product or a service or just something you said, like before the days of COVID, I used to do an experiment where I just smile at strangers because even a smile can I do the same thing. Yeah. So long-winded answer to say, we have to be the change in order to make the change. Agreed. Ah, I, I, I'm going to take all of that in for a second. <laughs> that was so good. Oh, man. Um, where does your motivation come from? From all of that, from all the gifts that you see? Like, does that, you wake up in the morning, you're like, this is what where my motivation comes from. Yeah, and I think like version of me in in different forms, meaning like there are people thinking out there that their relationship to money is unfixable and that they have to be stuck in a life that they are undeserving or all have had women who are in abusive relationships feel like they have to stay there. Or I've had people who have gone bankrupt and felt like they couldn't do it. Or I've had women who are were feeling not brave enough to create businesses that end up earning, you know, a million dollars a year. And I think that society has said that money equals power and success. And I'm just going to continually say like inner richness is what we need to start caring about because that creates outer richness as well. And the motivation comes from I don't want another person for another moment to feel like their money is their worth. How much in their bank account is, is who they are. You know, money is within us, it's around us and it's a choice. And so I learned the hard way of what not to do with your money. And I think there's a sweet spot for each of us about what's the right amount of money. Like even for, I've had clients worth 50 million plus dollars who felt worthless because it's about what's inside that matters. And so I've, I've taken what I know with the numbers work and then applied my own lessons. And then along the way, taken some, some client lessons and, and really come up with this thing where we can feel neutral or even joy filled around money and, and everyone deserves to have that. And so the motivation comes from, we all deserve it and so why stop and some hard days I'm like okay actually I'm gonna just watch Netflix for a while and I don't want to talk to anybody <laughs> but then other days I'm like yeah let's do this and, and I love you know 2020 has stopped us from going to big events and talking on stages and that's like one of my deepest joys but then I'm like whatever you know we gotta brush ourselves off and and we have to share our gifts because there's no one else in the freaking world like us. And if we can go out and, and create change, why not? You know, that's the thing. Why the hell not? Let's why be brave. Let's do hard things. Let's celebrate along the way. Let's find other friends who are also brave. Like we don't have to put up with bullshit. Find that motivator, you know? 
Tap, Selena. God. <laughs> uh, um, what? Uh, God, I sh- you say so many good things. It kind of has me like speechless. <laughs> uh, for anyone like listening, like any tips for, um, for money abundance exercises? Yeah. Too? Good question. Okay. So a couple different things. I would love anyone who's like kind of interested in this, this little strange world I live in with money (laughs) to invite curiosity into their life. Like start paying attention, like have your money awakened moment and say, how could I start seeing this relationship to money differently? Like our whole lives, we've been programmed with society to not feel enough. Like marketing is like, you need these jeans or you need this car. And instead to just get curious about it and be aware of how it lands within you. Like I love to just try and and go out there into the world and see how things land. Like if you're out shopping and you immediately say to yourself, I can't afford that. Instead of like falling into the shame spiral, go, oh, interesting. I'm going to write that down. Why am I saying that to myself? Um. Whose voice is that? Is that something I would like to keep in my dialogue with myself? Or could I change that to, I'm going to spend in accordance with the things I love. You know, that's a direct reflection of how I choose to love myself, how I buy things. And to be awakened to how we spend. Like, I, I love for people to go, does opening my bank account online give me anxiety? And if so, I'm going to give myself a massive compassion bomb. And I'm just going to sit with that and go, why? Where did I learn this? What taught me that I had to feel anxiety when I opened up my bank account? And then go through some of the things you've spent on and say, like, which part of this annoys me? What gives me a negative reaction? And I think number one is getting curious and aware and start writing things down because it's clues to how we grew up and our influences and our interactions And it's literally a gift to learn those things because I've seen clients go from panic and numbing out with buying things to living fully because they've changed their inner dialogue with money. Just like we do all of this work, like maybe how we want to change our eating habits, you know, instead of grabbing those chips, we're going to grab a healthy snack. It's exactly the same thing. It's like, instead of saying, you can't afford that or who are you to, to get that client or how dare you feel like you can charge that much or, you know, wealthy people are evil to instead going, no, what if, what if I deserve that? And what would it look like if I only started spending on things I love? And what do I even love in the first place? Like I've had people starting to like rid themselves of things like houses they thought they wanted because the voice in their head is actually not theirs. They don't even want the house. They just do it because society yeah. says we need to do it. And so I know this can be a much bigger conversation, but coming back down to it is just watching your dialogue, being aware of it. And then going through some of your numbers and saying like, what's the emotional interest I give myself on these things? You know, if I, if I go out for coffee and I want the coffee and I shame myself for the coffee, what is that honestly costing me? Because it takes us out at opening up bills, giving us anxiety that takes us out. And what if we could free ourselves from that? Because trust me, we can, it's about learning the language of how we speak to ourselves so that we can start to shift it. I feel like money is 70% mindset, 30% strategy. 
So learning the language of yourself first and then applying the strategies that we can easily Google. Like how many of us have fallen off a budget? Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> because budgets are annoying and they're silly and blah, blah, blah. But what if budgets didn't have to be restrictive? What if it was a way that we honored our life through the choices that we love? And yeah, sometimes money can be hard. Acknowledging that, working through the things that feel hard and then saying, I have the ability to earn more. I don't always have to give up things. I think that's where we need to dive into. So practical tips would be watching language, writing it down and remembering that we have a choice in all of this. If you love a debt strategy, it's about paying off something, the smallest balance to the biggest balance, great. But it's not gonna work unless you go behind the numbers into how you speak to yourself. The cycle will always repeat. That's why we can go into debt over and over. And debt is just energy. It's just a, it's a reflection of our previous choices. But now if we can awaken ourselves to a relationship to money on our own terms, that cycle can end. It's about trusting ourselves and our choices. And honestly, nothing else. Everything comes from that. So I know I can make it sound simple. It's not. Buckle up for brave work. <laughs> but it will change your life forever if you dig into your money and beyond the numbers kind of money. I, when I did, because I, I did your, your course, you know, with Mark and that was so intense. <laughs> All the wounds. I was like, oh my God, I need a nap. I need a nap. I need a nap. And you do need a nap for like a week. Yeah. And then what happens is it integrates into your cells and then you remember parts of it. And then just like everything else, you're ready to show up more fully for it. And I think like honoring you for taking the course, cause Thank yeah, you. like it is, it's no cakewalk that course, like but like the buckle up is the right expression. That's right? when you said that I was like, I'm going to mention it right now. Cause that's exactly how I felt. Yeah. But you know what? Like in a good I'd way though, another six months on the other side with like picking a few inspired actions from that course, like everything is different, right? Yeah. Everything is different. And now I'm ready to go to your live event too online. So yeah. So I'm like going to keep this flowing. <laughs> Odd. Um, now I'm going to do fire, fire, fire around with you now. Okay. Gosh. I'm ready. Um, dr uh, biggest transformation experience in yourself. My reading, I think the catalyst was reading that book because it changed everything. So spirit junkie reading that and then taking inspired action from it. What is your self-care? Oh, a moving target. I feel like self-care to me is a state of mind. I believe in harmony over hustle. And so I welcome seasons of productivity and then I build in rest. So a lot of it is around feeling supported with community. I have to get out into nature. I have to release the energy of my clients every day. I get Cairo. I try yeah. my very be best to eat healthy. But I'm a work in progress for self-care, to be honest. And I always will be because that hyper-vigilant overachiever, mm -hmm. she, she's strong in me. So I'm, I really believe self-care for me is being perfectly imperfect and doing my best while I can. That is beautiful. 
really <laughs> truly it's just like me being as real as I can like, <laughs> you know some days you know like I ate today um from an organic shop down the street a salad and then I had too many meetings I only ate half of it you know like that's not self-care but right right I make sure I do better later in the day like it's all harmony it all really is harmony I mean we're all we're all human Yep. <laughs> uh favorite movie oh this, this <laughs> is ridiculous but it's so the right answer the matrix i reference it all the time it was like a childhood thing and i love when they're like moving around the bullets <laughs> yes. like, to redo the matrix and it's kind of crazy but i love it matrix is great uh i love matrix uh, favorite taco place because you love tacos so much and i'm curious on what your favorite taco place is impossible <laughs> how can i ever answer this okay so of course i'm canadian and i really love a good tex-mex taco so i'm definitely going oh if i had to pick this is so hard <laughs> i guess i'll do lupe tortilla in houston i'm going with that one okay i remember when i go to houston then because I yeah. feel like, I mean, if you love tacos as much as you do, I'm going to trust your taste in tacos. Yeah, I, I definitely, you, you got to get like a, a, like, I don't know if you eat meat, but oh, I, I, do. I get the, the fajita steak meat oh, yeah. and get some good pico de gallo on that thing. Tacos for dinner tonight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, your favorite song to dance to? Oh my gosh, that's an ever-moving target too. But okay, so one thing about me is I love a money tunnel. And what it is, is just simply you walk through and some of your favorite humans like shower money on you. So I'm going to go with any kind of upbeat money song because that's what I'm picturing in my brain right now. It's like money raining down on me, having a lot of fun, sort of noxious money song so I could dance my way through that. That is abundance. Like this is the level of nerd I am, you're seeing <laughs> But it is so true. It's like, yes, like just being silly and free and not being so serious. That's my jam. I want to, so when I do your event, I'm going to have one of my friends be like, I'm going to get a lot of cash. I'm just, just throw this money. Yeah. And on we're going to like, we're working hard to try to bring money tunnel virtual. So stay tuned for that. Yes. Uh, if you were to have a superpower, what would it be? Well, I feel like my superpower is allowing people to see how much I believe in them. And then they take inspired action from that place. I would say that's something I do with the women entrepreneurs with, I have a year long container. I work with women and that's the feedback always is like, I can see the next steps for them and they just have to borrow my belief and then they get there and they crush mm. it and we just celebrate and dance. It's so much fun. I, I feel like that's one of my gifts for sure. I agree. <laughs> what brings you joy? Oh, first answer, I would say my daughter. Um, I, like I said, I didn't think I wanted to be a mom. I was like a career woman, whatever that meant. And I just love seeing life through her lens. And she brings so much joy to me. Like today, she had this morning before work, she's like, you're picking me up, right? I can't wait. We're going to dance. We're going to do like, she has this master plan and she just injects joy into my life. And I just let her guide where we go. And of course I have to be a parent too. That's obviously. <laughs> of course. 
be, yeah, she's just a little light and I'm drink, I drink as much of it in as I can because they grow up too fast. So she, she represents joy to me right now. Hmm. Uh, I love the little ones so much, so much. Um, what inspires you? Anyone bravely walking their path and doing it with integrity and honesty. I feel like what inspires me is someone walking a path that other people are scared to do and talking about it. I'm like, fuck yeah, I can get behind that. You know, that inspires me. And that's not for everyone. Like, yeah, it's hard to be brave, but bravery is everything in ways that aren't harmful and those things. Right. you have good boundaries around that but I always trust my first thought in an answer and I I just really see like even this year like people opening up and saying like 2020 is hard and talking about real things so that other people feel inspired to heal themselves that lights me up right there what is what is your why my why is so that we can all feel connected. And I know I'm saying all of us, because I think for me, I really understand that life is bigger than ourselves. Like we do have to don our own mask and do our own thing first, but I think that we have to collectively believe in our worth so that the world can become another better place. And my why is just, sharing what I know so that other people can have a better experience in ways that honor my own boundaries and my own ideas. (laughs) I can be an over helper, but yeah, my why really is so that people don't live life like I did and nearly lose their life from, from physical money. Like that is just a sad story. So I want people to live bravely and fiercely and have fun and not take things so seriously because life yeah. is hard and we have to find moments of joy. So my why is all wrapped up into having integrity, having connection and welcoming in as many forms of freedom possible so that we can enjoy what, you know, life we have. If you could have a meal with any three people, who would they be? They don't have to even be alive either. So you know, I, I imagine a lot of your guests will say something like super profound here with like people who they've never got to meet and who've had mega impact on life. And I think that that is totally awesome, but that's just not my answer. Mm-hmm. My answer is my three best friends because nothing to me is better than that. We, we solve a lot of a lot of like worldly issues and we bring each other a lot of joy. And I think that that's what it's about is just community and being mask free and being happy. And so I haven't had a chance to spend a ton of time with my best friends this year because of COVID as we all can relate to. So that would definitely be my answer. My three besties have a, a little group. We call ourselves the golden girls and, and we're going for dinner. That would be my choice. Um, two more. And then gosh, uh, this has been amazing. Really, truly amazing. What, um, what do you want to be remembered as? Someone who believed fiercely in people's gifts and wouldn't go down without a fight. Like I believe that 
life is precious and amazing and hard and there are so many lessons and we can take other people's lessons and use that as fuel to live more fully and so i want to be remembered as a small part of that piece that believed fiercely in humans and the the greater good and changing the story around money it's your last day on earth what do you want to do Oh, I want to be by a beach with my <laughs> best friends and my little girl. And I want to breathe the air and celebrate everything that my mm. life has represented. And I just want to have fun. That's it. That's it. Gosh. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. Thank you. <laughs> you have got mad interview skills. Like I have been on many a podcast and you are an absolute joy and a light. And you've asked me some questions I've never been asked before. So bravo. God, thank you. I really, this is, it's, it's, it's speaking to me. I'm like, I have to keep, keep, keep yeah, going. Keep going. You're doing amazing. And you're, you're making a big difference for people and, and never forget that. I'm going to receive that. Where, where do people find you? Come hang out with me on Instagram, Selena G money. My website is selenagray.com. I have a Facebook group called she's a money boss. I'm on there. Yeah. I got got an event on November 19th and 20th and it sounds like you're coming. So yep, I'm coming. Oh yeah. (laughs) It's for women entrepreneurs who want to build that resiliency muscle and call in more revenue and keep more profit and create richness from the inside out. That's what it, that's what I'm all about. And come hang out with us virtually easy. You don't have to fly to Canada in winter. Boom. (laughs) So amazing. I'm so excited. And, um, just truly Selena, thank you. Thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for coming on and just being you and showing up as your beautiful self. That's it. I, I'm really grateful for you and thank you for believing in my work. It really means a lot to me and I so, so appreciate you. Gosh, thank you so much. I'm wishing you guys um, an amazing week. And if you're not going through an amazing week, that's okay. You know, just honoring the space of where you're at and always deeply, deeply take care guys. I also want to mention to my class soul cleanse i have many many themes that i'm doing so something maybe that that you're feeling that you need to be inspired maybe you're going through a breakup maybe you're needing to feel empowered maybe you're needing to let go of something there are all different themes and whichever one speaks to you uh it is a workout it is a workout for you to access the emotions that you're holding within your body to be able to release them in a safe space a community this is a soul cleanse community where we're all being seen for who we are we're allowed to feel what we need to feel for all of us to hold space for whatever needs to be released this is yin yoga this is meditation this is us expressing our words so you can actually see what we're feeling in this process as well so and music that takes you through an invoking journey within which each playlist has a special message that it takes you through 
It takes you through the cleanse. So if this speaks to you, look out for my classes on Instagram. I post them on there. I would love, love to see you there. Um, and also I'll be posting on, on my website as well. So if this speaks to you, come join the Soul Cleanse community. And if it doesn't, that's okay too, because I absolutely honor where you're at. But I deeply, deeply believe in you. And I deeply hope that you start to believe in you. I also would love to, as you guys are listening to these episodes, to go over and leave a review and your insights and just share how you feel about it. It, it, it would just mean so much because I know that you guys are listening, but I'm like, I want to, I want to hear your voices on, you know, what, what you're feeling through these processes, through these episodes too. And if it speaks to you, you know, tag me through Instagram. Let me see you. I would love to see you. I want to see your own, your own un- unique light. So um, thank you guys always deeply for being here and just keep diving into you.